A reading from Genesis. The Lord said, How great is the outcry against Sodom and Gomorrah, and how very grave is their sin. I must go down and see whether they have done altogether according to the outcry that has come to me, and if not, I will know. So the men turned from there and went toward Sodom, while Abraham remained standing before the Lord. Then Abraham came near and said, Will you indeed sweep away the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there are fifty righteous within the city. Will you sweep away the place and not forgive the fifty righteous who are in there? For far be it Far be it from you who do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous fare as the wicked. Far be it that you, far be it that from you shall not judge all of the earth, do what is just. The Lord said, If I find at Sodom fifty righteous in the city, I will forgive the whole place for their sake. Abraham answered, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. I, who am but dust and ashes, suppose five of the fifty righteous are lacking. Will you destroy the city for the lack of five? And he said, I will not destroy it if you can find if I can find forty-five there. Again he spoke, suppose fifty or forty are found there. He answered, For the sake of the forty, I will not do it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak. Suppose thirty are found there. He answered, I will not do it if I find thirty there. He said, Let me take it upon myself to speak to the Lord. Suppose twenty are found. He answered, For the sake of twenty, I will not destroy it. Then he said, Oh, do not let the Lord be angry if I speak once more. Suppose ten are found there. He answered, For the sake of ten, I will not destroy it. And the Lord went his way, went his way. And when he had finished speaking to Abraham, and Abraham returned to his place. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us read together the psalm found in our insert. I will give thanks to you, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I will sing your praise. I will bow down toward your holy temple, and I will praise your name, because your love and rightness. For you have glorified your name, and your word above all things. When I called you, answer me. You create my strength within me. All the kings of the earth will praise you, O Lord. When they have heard the words of your mouth, they will sing the ways of the Lord, that great glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, he cares for the lowly. He perceives the haughty from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you are in sync. You stretch forth your hand against the fury of my enemies. Your right hand shall save me. The Lord will make good his purpose for me. O Lord, your love endures forever and ever. 
Our second reading comes from Colossians. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, continue to live your lives in Him, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the universe, and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have come to fullness in Him, who is the head of every ruler and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a spiritual circumcision, by putting off the body of the flesh in the circumcision of Christ. When you were buried with Him in baptism, you were also raised with Him through faith in the power of God, who raised him from the dead. And when you were dead in trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive together with him when he forgave us all our trespasses, erasing the record that stood against us with its legal demands. He set this aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in it. Therefore, do not let anyone condemn you in matters of food and drink or of observing festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. These are only a shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Do not let anyone disqualify you, insisting on self-abasement and worship of angels, dwelling on visions puffed up without cause by a human way of thinking, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished, and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows with the growth that is from God. The word of the Lord. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please be seated. Lord, teach us to pray. This was a very simple request the disciples gave to Jesus after Jesus himself was praying. But you have to love this, that they actually ask him, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. Kind of a way of saying that we've seen how other leaders have taught to pray. Now we need to know from you, the ultimate leader, who is this? And Jesus gives a very simple answer to a simple request. We know, of course, we call this the Lord's Prayer, what we heard in Luke's Gospel today. And while it may be fairly familiar, like many of Jesus' teachings, it shakes things up quite a bit, and it breaks conventions. And Jesus himself starts to acknowledge that there may even be parts of it that are a little unsettling. Prayer is at the heart of Christianity. It's the heart of anything. I've said this before, but it bears worth repeating that our catechism defines prayer in a way that we may not always think of prayer. And that is prayer is responding to God by thoughts and deeds, with or without words. 
I think the human inclination when we think of prayer is that when we pray, we speak, or at least think words, and then ask for things. Now, this is a very valid form of prayer. It's what would be defined as intercession or petition. Um, intercession is kind of like in our story from Genesis. Abraham petitioning, or interceding rather, on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah. I would love to spend a lot more time, by the way, with that story, but you guys don't want to sit here all day. But man, there's so much packed into that and so much I could say, especially about like all the things about righteousness and what, you know, we've sort of been taught are the sins of Sodom, which are absolutely not what the problem was, despite what a lot of people might want to tell you it is, it was really about hospitality. That's just the basic part of it. Um, but also this whole bit about are there even any righteous people there? And so you got to love this Abraham bargaining with God. God, but it's not your way to kill the righteous with the wicked. And God's kind of like, all right, find me some righteous people. And of course, there's the answer. There's a very interesting interchange between them. But that is a form of intercession. Now, petition is a little bit different in that it's praying for myself, which is also valid. But prayer doesn't just end with those things. Prayer can be a lot of things. It can be giving faithfully. It can be sitting quietly in God's presence, listening to the prayers of others. It's one of those things I really love when we pray in groups, is hearing how others pray, because it tells me a little bit about where the Spirit is moving in the community. Uh, it could be things like singing joyfully, which, by the way, you guys sang great this morning. I always want to point that out. Prayer can be so many things. It is the core of what we do. And so Jesus begins his primer of prayer with addressing the Almighty, but he addresses the Almighty in a very unusual way. Now, we are used to this prayer, so we don't think about it being unusual. But he just simply says, Father. And this should be a surprisingly, maybe even shocking familiar term for God. Just to tell you how surprising this is, so if you're to just take a Bible at some point and you pinch off the Old Testament and the New Testament, you'll notice the Old Testament's like four times the thickness of the New Testament. In the entirety of the Old Testament, God is only called Father nine times. And even then, it's not really direct. It's more metaphorical or, uh, or allegorical, maybe. It's sort of like, like a father, you care for us. <clears throat> so it, it doesn't really directly address God as father in the same way. And so here Jesus really breaks his convention and he says, Father, something very intimate. This intimacy of a parental figure is this freedom we are given through the Incarnation. St. Irenaeus of Lyon, lived in the second century AD, said that God became human so that humanity may become divine. And so in Christ, who wrapped himself in our humanity, also bound our humanity. And in that way, our humanity can, through Christ, call God Father, that intimate, Abba, that intimate, 
close parental relationship. And yet, in the same clause, just a comma, Father, hallowed be your name. Jesus balances that familiarity with that sense of awe, kind of hailing back to the third commandment. Any, anyone want to take a stab at what the third commandment is? It's one about the name, right? Don't misuse God's name. Oh, right, that one. Oh, yeah, we knew that. Right, having a reverence for God's name, and it tells us to hold God tenderly and reverently at the same time. And I think in a way, that's a way we should hold those we love dearly, to respect them fully for who they are. And then Jesus goes on and he says the next one, your kingdom come. Typical Luke's fashion of brevity, unlike Matthew's version, which we say all the time, it doesn't give us the next part about earth and heaven, just says, your kingdom come. May God's realm be truly present to us, certainly in this next life, but also in a way we can strive for in this life. Maybe it's a charge for the church. How can the church make the kingdom come? How can we hope and work and pray for the fullest of God's grace for all God's people? It's even a reminder, if we really want to dig deep into it, that those human boundaries of things like race, gender, orientation, ability, all those things are meaningless in God's realm and should at least be a footnote in the church. In the realm of God, there are no sick, poor, or hungry. All needs are taken care of. And so Jesus continues by saying, give us each day our daily bread. And when the world or even the church fails us, sometimes we can ask God to provide what we need. I love this teaching that Jesus gives at the end about being persistent in prayer. Probably, you know, we are, we're always afraid to laugh at the Bible, but this was a very funny scenario. You go to your neighbor in the middle of the night because someone shows up and you knock on the door. Hey, can I have some food? What's your neighbor going to say? Go away. We're all in bed. Doors locked. Snuggled up. Not going to happen. And then Jesus says, your friend's not going to give you bread because you're asking for it because you're his friend. But if you keep going, he's going to just give it to you so you go away which I think is really a funny way to imagine the persistency in prayer. Give us today our daily bread. And then he goes on, he says, you know, you'd never give your own child something bad if they ask for something good, and God isn't going to do that either. <clears throat> and so this could maybe be in some ways the most comforting, but maybe even also the most troubling line in the Lord's Prayer, because of course we do know uh, people starve. Um, and I think in a way, this is also calling us as God's followers to task and saying, okay, well, where are we? It's a reminder that we ourselves fail at the Christian life, all of us, constantly. Sometimes by not giving others, being God's hands and feet in the world, we let our greed, pride, and self, sense of self-preservation get in the way of caring for others. It's not pointing a finger at any one person. This is humanity. This is how we all do fail at our Christian life, and that's why 
Jesus reminds us then, and forgive us our sins. Because being forgiven is the purpose of Christ's redeeming work. Forgiveness is about reconciliation. It's what Jesus did, making right with God and others. Reconciliation requires an acknowledgement of our shortcomings and wrongs done. This is another form of prayer in itself. We cannot become better without self-reflection. Now, will we be perfect? No, other than being perfected in Christ, but we can examine our hearts and become better versions of ourselves and right the wrong that is done. Of course, we also remember that forgiveness and reconciliation isn't just about us, because there's that second part, for we ourselves forgive everyone indebted to us. At least we hope. That's a hard one, isn't it? It's easy to ask for forgiveness. And sometimes there may be a little bit of shame in there, but also an acknowledgement that part of that is the balancing act with how we forgive others. Maybe it's even just aspirational. A reminder that we're called to allow others to reconcile with us just as we reconcile with God. And lastly, Jesus says, and do not bring us to the time of trial. And I find this one probably the most interesting because while it may acknowledge some of the challenges, particularly of the early church, in a spiritual sense, this is the prayer that is already fulfilled. We will not be brought to the time of trial. Despite all the stuff we've done, that time of trial, that debt, has already been paid by Christ. And while sometimes we don't think about, well, we might ask, where is God? When has my prayer been answered? We right here have an example that we are not going to be brought to the time of trial. And as we Pray daily this prayer. We continue to ask Christ to teach us to pray, always honing that skill in our hearts, because this in itself is still responding to God, which is prayer. So let us continue to open our hearts and respond to God in all that we do. Amen. Please stand and join me as we say together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, Light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things are made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified and conscious by he suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again, and in words of the scriptures, 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Prayers of the People, Form 6. In peace we pray to you, Lord God. We pray for those in the armed services and especially those deployed, Mikey Raina Mains, in our parish cycle of prayer, Steve and Abby Peters and family, Ken and Christine Porter, for those celebrating a birthday, John O'Brien, for all people in their daily life and work, for our families, friends, and neighbors, and for those who are alone. We pray for Love Incorporated, the Transitional Living Center, the Women's Resource Center, for this community, the nation, and the world. For all who work for justice, freedom, and peace. We pray for those suffering from war, natural disasters, or the economic crises in our world. For those who are our enemies, for the just and proper use of your creation. For the victims of hunger, fear, injustice, and oppression. We pray for those who are in need. Jane Clothier, John and Beth Falk, Sue Hallingstadt, Marilyn Johnson, Betty Lorenzi, Mary Nichols, Jerry and Lana Ramsey, Sharon Twist, David Toretta, Jimmy and Tommy Yanni. For all who are in danger, sorrow, or any kind of trouble. For those who minister to the sick, the friendless, and the needy. In our community, we pray for all the Burlington area churches, the Diocesan Hospitality Center, for the peace and unity of the Church of God. For all who proclaim the gospel and all who seek the truth. We pray for Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury, Michael, our presiding bishop, Jeff, our bishop, for Father Matthew, for Jessica and Becky, our wardens, Phil, Connie, Jim, Deanna, and Pat, our vestry and clerk. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, the Church in Wales, and the Diocesan Cycle of Prayer, St. James and West Bend, for all bishops and other ministers, for all who serve God in this church, we pray for the special needs and concerns of this congregation. Hear us, Lord. For your mercy is great. We pray for Christine Porter celebrating her birthday. For those preparing for the birth of a child, Trevor and Erica Campbell. For those celebrating the birth of a child, Mikey and Paula Reyna Maines. We thank you, Lord, for all the blessings of this life. We will exalt you, O God, our King. And praise your name forever and ever. We pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. Lord, let your loving kindness be upon them. Who put their trust in you? 
We pray to you also for the forgiveness of our sins. Have mercy upon us, most merciful Father. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things done and left undone. And so hold us by your Spirit, that we may live and serve you in newness of life, to the honor and glory of your name, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining the St. John the Divine podcast. If you're interested in worshiping with us, you can visit us at 9 a.m. at our church, which is at 216 East Chandler Boulevard in Burlington, Wisconsin. If you want to learn more about us, you can click the link in the description or visit stjohnthedivine.org. Just remember, we're the one in Burlington, Wisconsin, not the cathedral in New York. Have a great day. Bye.